I'm Dick Summer, and it's time to say goodnight. This is a quiet place to rest your head, a safe place to hide a hurting heart, a gentle place to fall. We just call this place goodnight. If I had a public relations guy, he probably wouldn't want me to admit it. But I think I'm an attention sponge. You know, we all want a little attention, you know, some achtung. <laughs> there are three little words that'll get a lot of guys' attention, depending on the circumstances. You know, three little words like, my husband's home. <laughs> I'll do it every time. There are four little words that will also get a guy's attention. You've got a raise. Of course, that statement has several different meanings. Of course, it means one thing if your smiling boss says it, and it means something entirely different if your smiling wife or girlfriend says it. You've got a raise. Once upon a time, those are four little words that get lots of everybody's attention, I think. Tell me a story time, you know? Good storytellers always get plenty of attention. Christ was a great storyteller. So was Mohammed and Churchill and Roosevelt and Hitler and, and my mom and dad. Dad used to tell me stories about knights in armor and, and hitting the clutch ball players like Duke Snyder played for the Dodgers, the real Dodgers, the ones in Brooklyn. Mom used to read me poem stories like The Highwayman. I recorded that for my radio show once upon a time, long time ago. That long ago recording goes like this. The wind was a torrent of darkness among the gusty trees. The moon was a ghostly galleon tossed upon cloudy seas. The road was a ribbon of moonlight over the purple moor. And the highwayman came riding, riding, riding. The highwayman came riding up to the old inn door. He had a French cocked hat on his forehead, a bunch of lace in his chin, a coat of wine velvet and breeches of brown deer skin. They fitted with never a wrinkle, his boots were up to the thigh, and he rode the jeweled twinkle, his pistol butts a-twinkle, his rapier hilt a-twinkle under the jeweled sky. Over the cobbles he clattered and clashed in the dark inyard, and he tapped with his whip on the shutter. But all was locked and barred, he whistled a tune to the window. And who should be waiting there but the landlord's black-eyed daughter, Bess, the landlord's daughter, tying a dark red love knot into her long black hair. And dark in a dark old inyard, a stable wicket creaked, where Tim the stable boy listened, his face white and peaked. His eyes were hollows of madness, his hair like moldy hay, but he loved the landlord's daughter, the landlord's red-lipped daughter. Dumb as a dog, he listened, and he heard the robbers say, One kiss, my bonnie sweetheart. I'm after a prize tonight, but I shall be back with the yellow gold before the morning light. Yet, if they press me sharply and hurry me through the day, then look for me by moonlight. Watch for me by moonlight. I'll come to thee by moonlight, though hell should bar the way. He rose upright in the stirrups. He scarce could reach her hand, but she loosed her hair over her casement. His face burned like a brand as the black cascade of perfume came fumbling over his chest. 
and he kissed its waves in the moonlight. Oh, sweet black waves in the moonlight. Then he tugged at his reins in the moonlight and galloped away to the west. He didn't come in the dawning. He didn't come at noon. And out of the tawny sunset before the rise of the moon, when the road was a gypsy's ribbon looping the purple moor, a redcoat troop came marching, marching, marching. King George's men came marching up to the old inn door. They said no word to the landlord. They drank his ale instead. But they gagged his daughter and bound her to the foot of her narrow bed. Two of them knelt at her window with muskets at their side. There was death at every window and hell at one dark window. For Bess could see through that window the road that he would ride. They had tied her up to attention with many a smirking jest. They had bound a musket beside her with the barrel beneath her breast. Now keep good watch. And they kissed her. And she heard the dead man say, Watch for me by moonlight. I'll come to you by moonlight, though hell should bar the way. She twisted her hands behind her, but all the knots held good. She writhed her hands till the fingers were wet with sweat or blood. They stretched and strained in the darkness, and the hours crawled by like years. Till now, on the stroke of midnight, cold on the stroke of midnight, the tip of one finger touched it. The trigger, at least, was hers. The tip of one finger touched it. She strove no more for the rest. Up she stood to attention with the barrel beneath her breast. She wouldn't risk their hearing. She wouldn't strive again. For the road lay bare in the moonlight, blank and bare in the moonlight. And the blood of her veins in the moonlight throbbed to her love's refrain. Had they heard it? The horse's hooves ringing clear. There in the distance, were they deaf that they did not hear? Down the ribbon of moonlight and over the brow of the hill, the highwaymen came riding, riding, riding. The redcoats looked to their rifles. She stood up straight and still. Nearer he came and nearer. Her face was like a light. Her eyes grew wide for a moment. She drew one last deep breath. Then her finger moved in the moonlight. Her musket shattered the moonlight, shattered her breast in the moonlight, and warned him with her death. He turned, he spurred to the westward. He did not know who stood bowed with her head or the musket drenched in her own red blood. Not till the dawn he heard it, and slowly blanched to hear how Bess, the landlord's daughter, the landlord's black-eyed daughter, had watched for her love in the moonlight and died in the darkness there. like a madman shrieking a curse to the sky with the white road smoking behind him and his rapier brandished high. Blood red were his spurs in the golden moon. Wine red was his velvet coat. And they shot him down on the highway, down like a dog on the highway. And he lay in his blood on the highway with a bunch of lace at his throat. And still of a winter's night, they say, when the wind is in the trees, when the moon is a ghostly galleon tossed upon cloudy seas, when the road is a ribbon of moonlight over the purple fields, a highwayman comes riding, riding, riding. A highwayman comes riding up to the old inn door. Over the cobbles he clatters and clangs in the dark inn yard, and he taps with his whip on the shutters, but all is locked and barred. 
He whistles a tune to the window, and who should be waiting there but the landlord's black-eyed daughter, Bess, the landlord's daughter, plaiting a dark red love knot into her long black hair. Is it just me, or did you feel like you were in that story too? Riding that galloping, sweating, terrified horse and waving your sword, or, or maybe you were standing at the window, taking your last deep breath with your finger on the trigger. That story sucks me into it, makes me sweat. Makes me want to check to see that my lady wonder wench is safe. And it makes me remember my mom. <laughs> She's there like she was once upon a time, long time ago, smiling in that ribbon of moonlight. Alfred Noyes wrote The Highwaymen once upon a time, a long time ago. They probably told you in school that it was just a poem. They don't tell you a lot of things in school. Things like it's really a love story about a woman who was so much in love that she gave herself, all of herself, to a thief who loved her so fiercely that when she died, he pounded on death's door until he, till he broke it open, and then he rushed in to hold her in his arms again so he could, he could keep her safe ever and ever after. <laughs> it was my mom's favorite story, and I can still hear her voice quiver a little bit when she's talking about Bess standing by the window with her, with her finger on the trigger. Every time I hear it, I feel like Mom is really here in the story with me. And I want to say hi, Mom. Thanks. Dicks to Tales, a bunch of totally unimportant stuff for you to stuff in one ear so you can squeeze the important stuff that's making you nuts out the other ear and you can get back to feeling like things are under a little control for a few minutes. In Maryland, this is real, in Maryland it is illegal to sell condoms from vending machines except in places where alcoholic beverages are sold. I guess they want to be as sure as that they can that uh, perfectly good condoms are not going to go to waste, I suppose. If the answer is a retail store, what is the question? If the answer is a retail store, what is the question? I'll tell you in a minute. In Guam, virgins are not allowed to get married. So there are guys whose full-time job is having sex with young virgins who pay them for the service so they can get married. <laughs> no wonder most direct flights to Guam are almost all filled with guys. And in Cali, Colombia, the first time a woman has sex with her husband, her mother must be in the room as a witness. Now you can understand why Cali guys have to take double doses of Viagra on their wedding nights. Talk about getting a raise. Oh yeah, if the answer is a retail store, the question is, where does a cat go when he loses his tail? A retail store, of course. <laughs> 
I'm sorry. No, I'm not. Dick's Details. They take your mind off your mind. Once upon a time, there was a, a radio guy by the name of Willie B. He always opened his show the same way. He had this, had this crackly bass baritone voice with just a, a touch of a, a Brooklyn accent. And he said, hello, world. <laughs> then he played some music and he told me stories. Once upon a time, a long time ago, in his middle of the night WNEW radio show. I listened to Willie on a transistor radio tucked under my pillow when I was a kid. And from the time I was around seven years old, I guess, I always wanted to get attention by being that guy on the radio telling stories that that made people feel things. And I got to do it. In fact, I got to tell my stories in the same radio station as Willie. What an ego trip. They usually weren't epically poetic stories like this, the, like the Highwaymen. They, they were mostly just, you know, quiet, old, simple, ordinary stories. One night I told a story about how I came to love the smell of my lady's homemade chicken soup bubbling in a pot. She puts extra onions in there. And how warm a thick wool blanket feels on a snowy February night. One night I told a story about how it feels to fly a small airplane at night. And if I did it right, you might feel like you're up there with me. What do you think? are taught that altitude is usually your friend. Got a problem? Climb. Well, I certainly have a problem. It's time to climb into my airplane and think. There's nothing out there but the midnight. As far as you can see. The altimeter hands point to 10,000 feet but it might as well be 10,000 miles. An occasional star pops through the broken layer of clouds above, but the layer below is solid. There's hardly any outside perspective at all except the single engine growl of my airplane. You don't know if you should feel big or small, old and beautiful or young and ugly. Only the instruments can tell if you're right side up. And they sometimes lie. But the only feeling here is that I am absolutely alone. Under the clouds, there are touch-me looks flicking across rooms. Private words purring in velvet places. Supple leather, black lace and soft lips coming undone for careful fingertips and on careful words. The telephones are cradled on naked shoulders and the night is flexing with lovers moving together in the dark. Babies are crying. People are taking each other's lives, earning or losing each other's trust 
and trying to deal with being alone. We always meant to make love here, two miles above the city. We were going to take a summer and fly all the way across the country, stopping to eat at small town diners and sleeping under the wing. We were going to always be in love. But someone taught us both that there are rules that we must follow, as if life were some kind of baseball game. But you only get one strike this season. And the first time you touch a member of the other team with your naked body, for any reason, you're gone. Is that how the rule reads, my love? Was I out as soon as I touched her? Or was it as soon as I took pleasure in the seduction? Would I have been safe if I hadn't enjoyed it? Or if at least one of us had been wearing a more proper uniform? Could you have looked the other way if her lips had been a little cooler? Exactly what was it that I did with her that got me ejected from the game? Every game has its limits. Nine innings, three outs. But only one mortal sin, and you're gone. I have loved you all of the days of my life, and all but one of the nights. You don't want to send me away, but that's the way your rule book reads. And so I must leave you as I have loved you. And I have loved you, not perfectly, but well. And so I will leave you all the rest of the days of my life. And all but one of the nights. It may be tomorrow, it may be next year. It may be a decade or two. But one night, when touch me looks are flickering across rooms, Private words are purring in velvet places. Supple leather, black lace, and soft lips are coming undone for careful fingertips. One night when babies are crying, people are taking each other's lives, and I am still trying to deal with being without you. Then listen, my love, for a single engine airplane growling two miles up in the clouds, and you and I will love just one more night. can protect you against the night monsters lurking under your bed until they eventually just disappear into the dawn. I used to call my listeners my huddle. I was the quarterback calling the plays, telling the stories. The goal was to make it past the night monsters all the way till dawn. 
And some of you who are listening right now were, were members of that huddle. And I want to want to thank you for staying with me since that once upon a time, such a such an awful long time ago. That story is called Night Flight. It's from my Love Comes When You Least Expect It Spoken Word CD. If you like it, you can just keep this podcast, or if you want a fresh copy, go back to DickSummer.com. Check out the Love Comes When You Least Expect It icon on the homepage. I think part of the power of a story is the sound of the human voice that's telling the story. My dad was a strong, caring, comfortable guy, and you could, you could hear that in his voice when he told his stories. And one of the things that he gave me was kind of an imperfect echo of, of his voice. It, it's good, this voice. It's good for telling you stories about simple, ordinary things, things, things that are real. Like, you know, what it's like to have the midnight munchies or how a comfortably sloppy, loose-fitting wool sweater feels in a chilly room. Or what it's like to sit alone on, on the sand of a beach under a full August moon, all alone with somebody you love, somebody who also loves you. Or going to the zoo in May and, and finding a newborn baby seal. Eh? The way he told his stories, I always felt like I was in them. You can tell stories like that on the radio, or on a CD or, or an MP3 player these days. Well, not on the radio, because they don't tell stories on the radio anymore, sorry to say. But when you tell stories the right way, they work. They really get your attention. When the people listening to you feel like they are in the stories. I guess it's an ego trip. I guess I'm really an attention sponge. But I have to tell you, I like the fact that when some lady is sitting alone in the middle of the night having some tears because her guy did something really stupid... And she knows she can come to me. Yeah. She can put one of my stories on her CD player, and, and she can feel like she's not alone because we're in the same story together. Or when some guy just got fired, you know, he can pop this podcast up on his laptop, and he can listen to a story that makes him feel like a friend is there with him, you know, giving him a smile and maybe a quick little punch in the shoulder. So I'm an attention sponge. I love it when you let me tell you a story. That's why my favorite four little words are once upon a time. And I really always try to make my stories about doing something you love to do, about loving and being in love, or not. And always, I want to make it a story that will have you in it with me. Time to tuck you in now. I'm Dick Summer, and I hope you'll come back soon for a gentle place to fall. Quiet place to rest your head. Safe place to hide a hurting heart. Nice and easy now. Couple of deep breaths. Come on. There you go. Just one more. That's better. All the way to sleep. 
all the way to sleep. Good night.